We realise that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've talked about bags. We've talked about battle of the treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're... Sitting down, listening for an hour? Yeah, exactly, yeah. This is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. We wanted to kind of take on something we haven't talked about for a while. I know, I know we, we have done in the past. Obviously, you know, 90, 95% of our trips are a high altitude. Yeah. Um, some of them are at low altitudes these days, still in the mountains. <clears throat> um, uh, you know, as, as, there's some awesome treks around the world. But we wanted to kind of focus on some of the, the, the kind of dangers that can be at altitude and on trips. You know, you go into these places, there are, you know, less oxygen and also in the mountains. And there's there's going to be some kind of dangers that do occur. Yeah. And we thought, well, well, well let's talk about that. It's a great, great subject to talk about. Um, and it always brings up some some kind of good questions as well around those dangers and how we can mitigate them and also how to mentally approach them. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, that can happen uh, anywhere, you know, not just, you know, on our trips, but, you know, if you're doing your training hikes in the UK, um, some bits around that or, you know, wherever you're watching this now, if you're in the US, if you're, you know, in Europe, whatever you're doing, any of your training, it's important to to kind of, you know, focus on some of the, not, not just focus, but. Uh, be aware of those dangers yeah. and how you can minimize them. Exactly. Yeah. We don't like to go, I mean, one one phrase that we don't use is sort of ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I, I say it quite a lot that, you know, knowledge dispels fear. So one of the things we want to know is, you know, what what what's different from adventure travel to sort of regular travel? Well, yeah. the adventure side of it, you know, comes with a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of danger, yeah. um, a little bit of risk. And it's about understanding what those are in the, your chosen adventure. So if you're going to Everest Base Camp, well, what are the yeah. risks there? You know, what what potential um, dangers am I going to be confronted with? And what am I going to be overcoming? And what makes it the challenge? Yeah. And um, it's good to know about those things. You know, I mean, altitude obviously is probably the biggest one. Everyone always says that's always a risk. Yeah. But not even altitude. You know, it could be things like the terrain can change um you know if you go into sort of the high places of the world where it's glaciated where there's bad weather there's wind there's snowstorms there's whiteouts and that's just sounds day, fun that's just on day one <laughs> <laughs> day one brilliant brilliant that sounds like a great first day yeah exactly no no yeah. it, it it is um anytime you're, you're in these places and you're experiencing those things you know it can be quite scary at times and you know i know a lot of you have been on trips with us already um hey marky v i hope all is well kate uh, great to see you joining us. Uh, Charlotte as well, just tuned in. Um, yeah, it, 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 these things enter your brain, don't they? Whether yeah. you, you, you've got that kind of positivity force field up or not, um, things creep in and, and sometimes they can play on your mind. Um, and I think sometimes it's good to talk about these things and, and, and especially get real with them because um, there's a really uh, interesting guy actually called Alan Arnett. Mm-hmm. There's a really interesting blog. Always cover is, covers 
coveries covers coverist he always covers kind of the, the big expedition seasons in the spring yeah. always follow him around the everest um stuff uh now it's uh, the k2 stuff as well uh, he's always kind of in the know and, and 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 he's in touch with a lot of the expedition teams and 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 something that he always kind of talks about is you know because he's climbed everest he's climbed k2 he's climbed a lot of other mountains around the world is is kind of being open and honest about what you're going into um, like he always talks about getting the family kind of involved yeah. and it's not necessarily involved in, in terms of expedition, but getting them on side, which can be a challenge in itself because, you know, a lot of people who've got husband, wives, partners, um, you know, younger children, people that worry or concerned friends that you're going into these kind of environments that some people label as, as dangerous. Um, and sometimes, you know, you always talk about knowledge dispels fear, but some people don't, don't have that knowledge to make, an agreement on whether it's dangerous or not. Yeah. So one thing that Alan does is, you know, he sits down with his family, you know, is open and honest with them, but talks about the managed and unmanaged dangers that can happen any time in life. You know, you can walk onto a road and unfortunately, you know, things can happen there, you know, and that's a step out your front door, <laughs> you know, not to take, take go down the negative route here, but when we go to the mountains, then it, it's the same, you know, things can happen anywhere in the world. Yeah. But you do like to bring into that level of control. And I think, you know, there's always going to be things that you can't control. You know, that in the world, there's the volcanoes, there's natural things that occur. You, you're never going to be able to control them. And we want to control the controllables. We want to focus on what we can control, yeah. which is ourselves. And also as well, you know, looking at, you know, from a, a company, an adventure travel company, we, we like to have certain level of impact on the trips that we run. That could be the itineraries that we run, the type of guides that we use. Also, as well, how we, you know, we're trying to give knowledge to you guys to dispel those fears that will inherently make it just a little bit safer for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it, yeah. it, I know there's a lot mm -hmm. that I've talked about there. No, exactly. And one of the things I think is important to understand mm -hmm. as well, when you're talking about, you know, introducing these trips to your family and your friends and yeah. things like that, is to, there's a, you have to go a little bit of, once you've educated yourself, there is a lot to go towards educating them as well. Because yeah. one of the big things is if you tell people that you go into Everest Base Camp, for instance, what they'll hear is I'm going to Everest, you know, yes, and, and, yeah. and you get a lot of people that are concerned. Like, oh, my God, you're going to be walking past dead bodies. And, mm. you know, what if they can't get you down? I hear that sort of stuff. Yeah, so right do. from the very basic level, it's about sort of understanding, you know, what 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 is the inherent sort of dangers and risks associated with yeah. exactly what you're doing? And understanding the difference between sort of Everest base camp and climbing Everest, because it is apples and oranges. Yeah. You know. And that's on a lot of different trips, you know, with regards to like, you know, whether you're on Kili, whether you're on Machu Picchu, yeah. wherever you're going to go to, uh, there are always, um, you know, there are always going to be dangers in these areas. And and sometimes they can be blown out of proportion. Um, yeah, and again, just because of the certain trigger words that can suddenly think, oh, my God, epic. You know, if, if anyone says Everest, you always people naturally do think about the summit. Yeah. And and rightly so. You know, it's, it's, it's in the news a lot. Um, you know, the queues, the. Um, you know, on, on K2, I know we're moving mountains now, but, um, you know, around, unfortunately, things that, that go bad in the mountains, yeah. they're always the first thing you hear on the news, right? And <laughs> you, you rarely hear about the good stuff, which I, I know is news and I know it's, it is yeah. what it is, but it's almost important as well to kind of take a step back and just be conscious of that. So you, so you can make those decisions on whether it's the right place for you to go or not. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? And, you know, the, the, one of the things it's funny with that k2 thing there was something yeah. big in the news and the newspapers and the websites have realized now that if you say something like yeah really prominent person walks past dying 
chirper on their way to the summit yeah immediately that person is going to be uh, a target you know and is going to be the subject of a lot of online abuse <coughs> and criticism when in actual fact those people that understand the mountains understand that if someone does collapse above eight thousand meters yeah you're not helping them by stopping and helping them if you're not equipped to be able to do that you know yeah, it's hard isn't it and yeah. um, it'd be a tough you know, situation it, it? It, there's very little you can do if someone's not you know ambulatory to yeah. get them down from that height and, not, and it's almost impossible especially at the bottleneck on k2 which is where that happened yeah and, I mean, it was quite a lot in the news wasn't it especially around uh christine harilla who summited all the, the 14, that was it yeah. I mean, 14, it's a, it's just amazing that, that, that what happened was they caught that bit on camera. You know, yeah. someone took a photograph. Yeah. But you're walking past people all the time that are either sick um, or unwell. Yeah. Um, so those 8,000 meter peaks is yeah. a different ball game, and people need to understand that, unfortunately, it's a little bit like kind of, I watched a recent documentary on Netflix, um, Deepest Breath, maybe. You oh, know? yeah, I haven't seen like, that yet. Yeah, but, don't, you, uh, mean, you would I know. love it. I know, but <laughs> I, know, I, know. I should, like uh, should watch Climbing it. a mountain, yeah. like, anything once you get above sort of 6,000 meters is an extreme sport. Yeah. And it's as dangerous as that sort of deep sea free diving, you know, where they go down to like, I don't know, 60 meters or something like that or and further. Rest, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe 104 was like a world record. Uh, it's 150 something meters, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's deep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, going yeah. down there without oxygen and then coming back, you know, it's, it's one of those types of things. But where we're talking about is majority is like base camp, yeah. Kilimanjaro, Machu Picchu. Tracking so, sort of things. Yeah. yeah. So then obviously we got peaks and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But most of the stuff that you will encounter, the dangers are a little closer to home. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, you're not going to be walking past anyone that's dying and not be able to help them. But at yeah. the same time, you know, we'll kick it off with altitude sickness, I guess, which is. Yeah. But, and you will see it and you will experience it. Um, you know, I know a lot of you, uh, you know, have been at altitude before. Um, just looking at the names. Uh, hey, Bri, I hope all is well. Good afternoon, mate. Um, and hey, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Um, and Daz as well. And Daz, Sophie, uh... sorry. I. I will say as well. It's like I'm, I'm calling out everyone's name. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't want, to, don't want people to feel left out. But um, no, great to see you all all here. And, you know, anytime that you go into these places, it's, it's going to be, and that's altitude. Um, it's going to be hard because you you know that by being at altitude, you can, uh, you know, your body's under stress. So, you know, it might kind of show things that normally aren't there. And Daz, um, thanks for, for sharing that as well, mate. Well, I'll come <clears> on to your question about the... Um, uh, your diaphragm, because really interesting question actually around that. Mm -hmm. um, I see we, we've uh, one of our yetis um, uh, has written all these questions down. We'll be we'll be coming coming on to that. Um, but anytime your altitude will bring up certain things, you know you're gonna you're gonna experience some form of headache. You're gonna experience some form of maybe losing your appetite. Um, you know you might not feel great. You might not feel like uber positive at that moment in time. I think a lot of people have those similar things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully by just talking about this kind of thing, you can you can kind of gauge and, and, and get comfortable with that, knowing that that's just part of acclimatizing. Obviously, yeah. there's the severe um, parts to altitude um, where you've got, you know, HACE and HAPE, um, you know, high altitude pulmonary edema and high, high altitude cerebral edema, which are the two serious ones. And really, they are more for the climbers, but it can happen yeah. anytime you're at altitude um, if you're not acclimatizing well. And we've had Evertrekkers who've had those symptoms. And we've had to get them down. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to, to be aware of all these factors, especially of altitude, because you're aware of going into it that it can be dangerous. Yeah. Um, 
But that's also part of the magic, is that if this was 100% safe, it, it wouldn't have that word adventure travel next to it, would it? Well, no, exactly. You know, it, it'd be a it'd be a different type of journey that we'd be talking about. Exactly. And that's part of the challenge. That's the reason why we set ourselves these things. Yeah. You know, because I've pondered it quite a lot. Like, why go to base camp? Why go to Kilimanjaro? Why climb Mera or anything like that? Yeah. If like the reason is because there's a there's a chance you might not make the trip. You know, you'll yeah. always make it back. A hundred percent of our customers have always made it back. But there's the, the summit is not guaranteed. That's what's adventurous about it. Yeah. The fact that you're sort of almost like, you know, you're pitching yourself against the elements and against the altitude, yeah. and you're using the tools at your disposal to kind of overcome that challenge and win. But it's not a guarantee. Yeah. And that's um, one of the things here um, I just noticed. Uh, Andrew Green said had AMS himself on Mera. Oh, really? The yeah, peaks, hey, Andrew. The peaks are where it's more likely to happen because yeah. when yeah. we actually are trekking, we're gaining our altitude quite gradually over a longer period of time. Yeah. When you're climbing a mountain, unfortunately, there's no way to avoid going up like a 1,000 metres at a time because it's a mountain. You know, it's not like a long 10-mile long stretch of land that you can kind of go up and down. Yeah. You know, you, you have to gain altitude quite quickly. And sadly, you know, one of those things is that you can get quite ill. Um, often it doesn't happen overnight, though. There are symptoms that have started to arise earlier on yeah. that set the tone for that trip. And then really it's, I, do, I mean, it's kind of down to luck in a way, whether you can do the things you need to do to recover and bounce back with enough energy to kind of make yeah. the 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 summit. But it, it everyone's physiology is different as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and. Every time you go to altitudes the first time, essentially, you know, we've talked about this before, um, you know, and sometimes your body could be in a not it's kind of a 100 percent state. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as your Garmin will tell you or whatever you're using, that your your body battery is 100 they could, or whatever it is. Mine's saying, yeah, 100 today. It's pretty good. Well rested. Body battery. <laughs> I don't think mine tells me what my body really? battery is. Um, but sometimes, and you know, it can lead you to think, OK, I'm fine. Whereas actually, if you, you, there could be something going on in your body that could impact how you feel at altitude. So just because you've, I mean, there's lots of different ways around this, but just because you've had AMS before doesn't necessarily mean you'll have it again. Um, you know, your body could have been less hydrated. There could have been something going on. You might have just been unlucky. It can happen. Yeah. Um, sometimes your body won't acclimatize. I mean, uh, touch wood, I've always been um, pretty okay. I haven't spent a lot of time at altitude. Um, but sometimes, you know, you go into these, these altitudes, even our guides get sick. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously majority of the time they're fine, right? You know, they're leading groups, they're, they're fine. But then other times they maybe got an underlying chest issue going on. Uh, they might've made, maybe they've, you know, especially over the last few years, you know, with COVID, there's a lot about that, that we don't, still don't know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some people's, uh, you know, cardiovascular kind of, you know, what's happening there it is different now after having COVID. Um, so, you know, it's just things that kind of get added into the mix and, um, you know, it can make it a little bit more challenging. But yeah, Andrew, it's a really good, um, you know, like bringing that and, you know, going on Mera. Go Anytime you go uh, to altitude is going to be hard. Mera, which is the highest trekking peak in Nepal, you know, that's, that's a challenge, mate. That's a yeah. one heck of a <clears throat> challenge. But I would say that, you know, I know it, it must feel quite emotional about it. Um, you know, I, I know if, if, if you went to Mirror and if it was me and I had AMS and I came down, emotionally I'd be, you know, not in a great place. But, you know, if you can think of, right, that it's not going anywhere, what can I do next time mm -hmm. that could potentially help me? Yeah. Um, and part of that could be, you know, maybe the, the type of training that you're doing. 
Um, you know, it could be about how you are hydrated. It could be that, uh, you know, let's look at your experience. Have you been to high altitude before? What was your experience on them? Um, how did you fare? Because then we can kind of build up a pattern and build up a kind of, um, you know, how your body is reacting to altitude and how we can yeah. then go about solving that problem. And sometimes as well, you know, there are, there, like you said, there are, there are little factors that sometimes can play a big part. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, you might have caught like some form of like bug or been fighting off something that you weren't even necessarily feeling. Yeah. I turned back on Tupcal, um, which is, you know, quite a way, you know, not anywhere near as high as Mera. Um, so technically, you know, I, I was in a place where I felt like I should have been able to reach the summit, all things being well. And we had good weather, you know, yeah. it was all going well. But um, back home, I caught a bit of a sinus infection. Yeah. And I actually don't think it was the sinus infection that stopped me. I was the antibiotics that I took. I picked them up, if you remember, on the way to the airport. Yeah. I so I started yeah, taking yeah, yeah. them like that close to the trip. Um, two days later, I was trekking in the Atlas Mountains <clears throat> and I could not deploy energy whatsoever. Yeah. Every step felt like I was exhausting myself. Yeah. Um, but I had no choice but to push on. So I did push through it and I ended up getting heat exhaustion and it was all sorts of problems and it was tough and it was tough. And this, yeah. the summit was at that time it was out of bounds. So I know what it's like to feel like I have to turn down as well. Richie J uh, recently had to turn back, come in yeah. from Killy again, a bug and then was hit with some altitude. Hey Rich, sickness. how you doing? Rich man, hope you're doing well. Yeah. Honestly, like it's, it's something that if you're going to dedicate yourself to an adventurous lifestyle and you're going to climb mountains for fun, yeah. that eventually it is almost guaranteed there'll be one that you have to turn back on. I've turned back on Penavan. Yeah. Well, you know, like, it can happen anyway. I, yeah, yeah, I got halfway at Penavan, I just didn't feel that well. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Not today, I'm going back down. I never really feel like the urge to push myself beyond what I feel is safe. And and Rich, um, you know, sending uh, positive vibes, mate. I know it's, um, you're never, never fun when, when these things happen, but... Like you said, if you've if you've got something that's going on in your body, and then you're you're trying to fight that at altitude, it can be hard. And but I think, you know, have a little bit of confidence in what you've already achieved, mm -hmm. knowing that you've done EBC. Um, you know, so you know it's not the altitude essentially. Um, use that as kind of fuel for your future endeavors, mate. Um, and I know, um, you know, thanks for um, you know, keep us abreast of your plans and um, mate. Anytime, um, you know, drop us a message. Always, always keen to kind of talk about the future journey um but yeah mate just um just keep going uh you know i know you've got these kind of things um you know in your mind and i know you're a determined man um but you can do it and, and i know it hasn't worked out this time but it doesn't mean it wouldn't work out again in the future yeah you know um but great also great to see um that you got to see a bit of tanzania that maybe you wouldn't have uh, i got to see some of your pictures and your videos mate it looked fantastic where, yeah. where you went and um, great to see the guys on the ground were, were looking after you. Well, I mean, it happens. It really yeah. does. I remember the first time we went to Tanzania, we didn't go to climb, um, but we were hanging around and I met this yeah. guy and um, he had to come. He didn't reach the summit. He'd come back down. Yeah, exactly. You know, unfortunately, it's one of those things that if you're climbing high, um, you know, it's a game of margins, really. And yeah, <coughs> you, you did incredibly well to um, to do that. Amanda as well here saying that um, when she did Gokyo, she yeah. got, hey, Amanda. Um, got a bug and didn't feel well. I know that feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I've done a lot of trips where I haven't felt very well, but I think that's because I've done a lot of trips. <laughs> Richard, Victor, we know Victor very well. He's a great guy, uh, big character. Um, oh, Victor. Great yeah, to see yeah. you had Victor. He's um, he's a really, 
really top bloke. We met him probably about four years ago, maybe Victor. Um, and and when we were kind of you know obviously recruiting in Tanzania, um, yeah, fantastic guide. Uh, definitely around. He knows that area of Moshi yeah. really really well, um, especially kind of some of the schools and stuff. But yeah, great to um, great to hear you had Victor and. Yeah, it's and, and listen, it's great. And thanks so much as well for sharing these kind of experiences. Um, you know, and I, we were kind of wondering where this was going to go today. And I know we talked about altitude. And, you know, especially when things don't go to plan, it's hard to talk about these things, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, yourself, Dave, after Tupacal, it's hard to talk about it because you've got that emotion attached. Yeah, no, it's, you it, know, it, it sucked. Yeah. You know, but there was... Um... It was hard to process initially. I yeah. mean, it was weird for me because at the time when I actually turned back, I was gutted to be turning around like in the yeah. moment, but only for about 10 minutes. I knew yeah. as soon as I started going down, like the load was coming off my body. Like walking uphill was so hard that as soon yeah. as I turned around, I started to feel like it was almost like my body telling me, right, that's it. You've made the right call. <laughs> Just get down. And you did. And so I did. And I was, did. but it was more yeah. like afterwards in the days afterwards when I had, time to kind of think about it that yeah i start wondering like oh could i have pushed on you know could i have pressed on and just made the summit like you could have but, but it would have it would have got you into an element you know we talk about danger and, and unmanaged and managed you manage that danger by making yeah, that decision it would have been yeah it would have been into unmanaged danger it would have been unmanaged danger. You know it would have, i would have been rolling the dice basically exactly and I, which is dangerous i didn't want to get myself into a situation where i had to be taken down some difficult terrain yeah putting other people at risk um, and talking about terrain as well, that's another thing that, you know... Yeah, like, yeah, I know we've, we focus a lot on altitude, but yeah, it's yeah, terrain. Yeah. Terrain is tricky. So when you go to, um, you know, the high places of the world, generally they're quite yeah. remote. The roads aren't paved, sadly. Um, you know, so as you're sort of making your way from A to B, the landscape can change. It can be different on your way up as it was, you know, the, the last time. It can be different on your way down than it was the when you went up. I think you've hit on a good point there as well, because... You know, we, we had some, um, uh, well, well, two, our first two uh, K2 base camp trips. Um, uh, the one is still running, uh, but the one um, first, uh, our first trip to K2 base camp. And actually a lot of that, uh, there, were, there were parts of that because there'd been some, um, uh, some sort of landslips. There'd been, mm -hmm. um, certainly because you're, you're traveling along a, a glaciated area, it, obviously glaciers move and, and the land can change. So the actual itinerary was adjusted with that. And I think sometimes we, we forget this. We, we obviously, we, we build the itinerary in terms of days, but because the terrain can be challenging yeah. and we're, we're trying to make it as, you know, trying to manage that danger as best we can. Sometimes we do have to, to change the itinerary. Yeah, no, um, I think for, was, the, for that particular reason. I think there was flooding. There was the flood roads were flooded. In Pakistan, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we had to kind of do some, um, yeah. make some amends. And, you know, like every time I've gone to Everest Base Camp, yeah, you know, every space campus looked visibly different from one time to the next. And one time there was, um, you know, when we did it, and uh, it was really wet. Yeah, um, there was a lot of melting of the glacier and stuff like that. And we were kind of scrambling. Yeah. We were like the glacier had been so melted that we had to kind of scramble down and scramble back up. When normally it's just a trek on relatively flat terrain. It can and, change um, so much, can't it? Yeah, and it, it, at that point, then you have to kind of. It is about assessing it. You don't yeah. you don't carry on regardless, but you do take the time to kind of assess the situation, have a look at it, and the onus is on. Yeah. Well, the, the guide is ultimately responsible. Yeah, but everyone, all of us as individuals, have to make our own decision about what we're willing to kind of. 
put ourselves through yeah. and what level of danger feels acceptable to us. Yeah, and it's, it's some really good comments coming in as well. Um, Alison, good question about Lukla. We will come on to the questions. Um, uh, thanks for and any any other questions as well. Do drop them in. They could be about dangers. They could be about mental Bhutans. They can be about any yep. anything you want to chat about. They could be on anchor power banks, whatever you want to talk about. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's some good, uh, you know, what John hit the nail on the head there. I guess it's better to turn around and know that you can come back another time. Yeah. And to push on and maybe get into a world of trouble and put others at risk, which I know Bri Bri has, um, has also uh, kind of mentioned there about putting the rest of the team in, yeah. in, in a bit of risk as well. And, you know, it's, it's great. And, you know, thanks so much that, you, you know, you, you are thinking about other people because um, <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Because a lot of us as individuals have those personal desires. Roy, I'm going to summit Killy. But obviously then you realize when you're on a group trip, that it's it, it's not just about you it's about all of you um and it's great to see that you know that the, the energy is is like that with yeah. with our ever trackers as well and um which is awesome um you know we we wouldn't expect anything less exactly. <laughs> but no it's, it's hard though isn't it you've got to kind of, kind of put the competitive part of you down which we all have in us and you know we all have that bit of ego or whatever that drives you to do this stuff which is great um but you you also have to think about the collective as well and yeah i mean when it comes to dangers that you have to think about it yeah 100 percent. Right? and it's not ne not necessarily that if you're starting to struggle but the summit is still doable you you know you're yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. sent back it's yeah, yeah. it's when you get to that point where you need to turn back yeah the decision is to go back you have yeah. to make the right call mm -hmm. you know like we will push people to get to their goal, whether that be base camp, Killy, Machu Picchu, will push them right to the very edge of what's safe. <laughs> and as soon as it becomes unsafe to continue, then you put in people at risk yeah. and, and things, are, you know, can potentially start to go wrong. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And, um, uh, you know, it's interesting putting all these different things into the mix because, you know, we're talking about altitude, you know, we're talking about terrain. Um, one of the other big ones, personally as well, is, it's almost your your level your, your comfort zone kind of level and i talk about that from what you're used to dealing with um i know before i talked about how um you know everyone's like trying to escape their kind of comfort zone and and that's how you grow it but it's more about trying to expand your comfort zone because you've um i was at a talk in, in keswick and i know I've, I've mentioned this um a while back now and i did a, an article about it probably about two years ago um and it was this awesome um kind of trad climber uh at keswick mountain festival um, i forgot the lady's name now but she was she said some really i thought were quite poignant things um and it was in in this in this tent and i was, I was really i was like this this makes complete sense where she's talking about you know imagine you're looking at um you're firing an arrow um you know to a target and those those targets there's kind of three levels and what she was thinking was in the middle say uh, let's call it green because green is right safe right uh green is go which means it's good and that is generally your area of comfort that you don't even have to think about you, you there's no worries there's no fears and, and that's your comfort zone and then you've got this area around it which is kind of it's pushing your limits it's outside of that so you're thinking about it but there's no real danger of anything happening to you um whereas the the other zone the third zone is the one where you're completely out of your comfort zone um, and one slip could be the end. So, you know, if, if we look at the old school kind of thing, which is, okay, get out, you know, escape your comfort zone, which to be honest, I used to say a lot. Um, but uh, by escaping your comfort zone, you're putting yourself in those high risk areas 
Whereas if you're, if you're expanding your knowledge, expanding your experience, that in turn increases your comfort zone, which means then it's no longer one slip and that could be it. It's more that you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about things or you're not because your, your comfort zone expanding and, you, and you're going to be able to basically take on challenges you never thought you'd be able to do. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think, you know, talking about the trips and I know we're going a lot into kind of mindset today around this stuff, but that controls everything, doesn't it? Um, but if you can get your head around that and think, okay, what, what things can I do? What things can I study or read or watch, um, or go and do myself? Maybe it could be a mountain skills course, um, you know, which I'll come on to in a sec. It could be a navigation course. It could be, you know, maybe nutrition. It could be, um, you know, whatever it is to, to expand that comfort zone of yours. That means that danger is minimized. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whilst talking about skills, there was, uh, we, we do have, uh, and I realized I was trying to segue into it. Um, we do have a, a Scotland winter skills that we're doing. And, and I, I know we've talked about peaks and some people have talked about Mara Peak. Um, uh, which this will be really useful for. And Scotland Winter Skills, we've got a date. Uh, we've got one date so far, which is next year. Hey, Evertrekkers, how are you doing? Sorry to jump into this awesome episode that you'll be listening to, but I wanted to see if you could do us a huge favour and vote for us at the next British Travel Awards. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes, um, which is bit.ly forward slash uh, vote for Evertrek. 2023 that's 2023 um get on there uh, we're hoping to win the best uh, travel company for adventure holidays um would be epic if you could vote for us um you know it's been a mad couple of years but uh, mean a lot to us because it's voted for by our ever trackers um so yeah if you could vote for us this year um it, the awards are in november um this year and hopefully fingers crossed we'll win um anyway I'll let you get back to the podcast and i'll chat to you soon bye Going back to comfort zone, you know, some of the, the people and, and the Evertrekkers who were on that um, that weekend, uh, long weekend, um, I know that by the end of it, their comfort zone expanded. Some of the terrain was was quite steep. Um, you know, they were used to cramp on ice axe. They were used to that, those things. They didn't really have to think about as much. Yeah. Whereas before, they would have been, oh, my God, I can never go up that. It's, it's too slippery. Um, when now it's given them a bit of confidence. Um and, and that doesn't need to be winter skills here. We can talk about anything. Sometimes it can be, uh, you know, the type of boots you're wearing. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people like wearing trail shoes instead of boots. But, you know, if you can, again, have certain boots that are, match the terrain, give you a bit more confidence when you go in on kind of changeable ground. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. I mean, that was one of the things when we did our winter skills way back yeah. when, like to stop thinking, you know, to think of your boots as like a mountaineering tool. Yes, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, if you yeah, get the point, right yeah. boots, they're a mountaineering tool as much yeah. as your axe and as much as your helmet and harness. Yeah. You know, they need to be comfortable and you need to be able to walk in them, sure. But yeah. actually, they need to be able, you need to be able to use them as a platform, exactly. to kick steps and stuff like that. So, yeah, really important stuff. Um, what are you thinking? Do we dive into some? Yeah. Because uh, there's a few cues. In there's, there. there's some good questions as well. Keep them coming, guys. Um, I know we've uh, feel like we're, 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 we're talking to you a lot today in terms of like just talking about specific things but we'll go into your questions so keep them coming um what you got dave what's the what's the first um cues? so let's have a quick look so pratesh has asked oh, hey, pratesh. how many miles uh do you track a day on ebc uh what time do yeah. you start the daily hike is there a lot of downtime 
So mileage each day, um, to be honest, it's quite a hard one for me to remember because I, I always very different. Yeah. I always do it in terms of hours. Yeah. With and that tends to be when you're talking about how long does it take to get from A to B. Miles yeah. is relative, right? Because you know you can do five miles a lot quicker at sea level than you yeah. can at um, altitude. So it's not really a good marker. What we like to use is sort of how many hours it takes for you to be able to walk from A to B, because we can all understand that yeah. how hard it is for us to walk two hours compared to six or seven hours. Yeah. So the average day on EBC will be around the shortest day. I think to be around four and a half, five hours, and the longest day could be like ten hours. Yeah um so that's generally it you'll start hiking in the morning depends on kind of the group but generally no later than eight o'clock yeah um so you wake up sort of maybe 6 30 go down for breakfast get all your water prepped and then you'll be heading off yeah and you'll generally be done by sort of mid-afternoon so you know maybe like two three o'clock something like that by most days you're pretty much there some days do take a bit longer than others and some people take a bit longer than others but there is plenty of downtime so most of the time when you finish a trek you know you can like get changes some casuals go down play cards rehydrate eat some loads of food if you're in places like namshi and dingboche i love to go for a wander and check Explore, out it? Yeah, yeah check out the stores and buy some snacks and things like that. Um, particularly on the acclimatization days, you'll have loads of downtime. Yeah. So um, generally you're only active for maybe three to four hours <laughs> on those days. The rest of the time is spent resting and acclimatizing, man. <laughs> so um, yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. One thing um, you can do is if you go on to my Strava, um, you'll find me, David Carpenter. Um, I have recorded the Everest base camp track on Strava yeah. all but I think the last day. But you don't have to worry about the last three days because they're the same as the first three days. <laughs> so, um, yeah. As, as well as that as well, you'll see that there's a little, I will actually show it on screen. Um, there is an actual article we put on there as well about the daily distances and height gains on the Everest base camp track, um, which you can see. Oh, I will show it there again. Um, uh, so, Patesh, have a look at that. Um, it's really, really useful. Um, as Dave mentioned then, you know, we always like to keep it with time rather than distance because some people can think some distances and they'd be like, oh, it's an easy day. Um, you know, we could say like four or five miles and like, oh, that's not that's not long, but it could take you seven hours. Well, exactly. Because <laughs> your altitude, it does slow everything down. So we always use time rather than distance, yeah. which is I know is a hard thing to gauge because, um, you know, when, when people are like, oh, well, I can walk this quite far, actually, at, um, you know, for in seven hours. Um, but altitude, it really slows you down. Well, yeah, like acclimatization day at Dingboche is probably about two miles, maybe three. Yeah, but, it takes you four but, hours. But, but the first three are like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it's quite hard. It's quite tough. Um, also, and um, yeah, do you know what I realized we haven't done? Go on. We haven't introduced them. We haven't actually, has we? Yeah, we, that's that's true. I feel like they need a proper introduction. Yeah. But then again, they are on the comments today. Yeah, exactly. So we've got um, we've got Dylan on the comments he today. is on the comments today, who he? is dylan you ask well dylan and also alathea yeah are our two new yetis yep. um so they they they've joined the fold and um yeah i'm sure we'll be should we grab them on a live soon definitely yeah i yeah. think so <laughs> they're looking nervously now um yeah. but no we will intro to the community um whenever we we have new yetis no doubt you'll meet them in in time um and i'm sure you're interested to, to hear about the Yeti names. I mean, obviously, it's the most important thing. Have they decided on their Yeti names yet? Yeah. I think Alethea is Hippie Yeti. She is, yeah, so she is Hippie Yeti. I mean, if she's not, she is now. 
that's what everyone's going to refer to. Yeah. Um, although um, Dylan said he wants to be sporty Yeti. Sporty Which Yeti. I think more yeah. is more sporty spice. So call him sporty spice. I'm Brilliant. sure you'll love it. You have just chucked <laughs> him under the bus now. But yeah, but yeah, so we've got hippie Yeti and sporty spice. Um, uh, and sporty spice. Brilliant. <laughs> But no, they're they're uh, two uh, wonderful people. Um, they're going to be, um, you know, great great parts of the team. Uh, I'm sure you'll either be speaking to them or emailing them, uh, or seeing them uh, around the community, uh, you know, over over the coming months and hopefully years. Um, so yeah, it's always great when we uh, were able to bring in some some new yetis. Yeah, um, um, to look after our customers. Is there someone called Alison Morgan watching this live? Because I've just gained a new follower on Strava. <laughs> and I get, as I get about... Is that what it is? I get, about, getting, I get, about, I get about three a year. I don't know how you do it with that watch. It pings. Uh, I, I I couldn't do it. Let me. Do, do you know why you need it, mate? No. If you're an ops. <laughs> is that what it is? If you're an operation. That, that's it, an operation. I'm out riding my bike and all of a sudden I'll get an email from someone. Yeah, see, Alison there. Thank you, Alison. <laughs> I got a new follower. I knew it would happen. I uh, get so rarely get new followers. Um, there he is. to be a thing. Sporty Yeti here. He's on it. Yeah. Um, now, thanks for the welcome. Uh, here we go. So what we get, ideas to persuade. I need to convince Leah's Everest to bin off for your 10G chassis revision. Get out and climb Killy in the summer holidays. Ideas to persuade her. What has he done to bring her up? I know she's because amazing. She bought well, she's like sixteen, I like almost sixteen. When the dad is like, I need to stop <laughs> my child revising. Uh, that's it, the roles have reversed here. Yeah, I mean, but, I know Dave. He's you know he's he may be old in terms of years, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, great stuff. Um, yeah, well, if if she needs any inspiration, just you know, point her our way, Dave. Uh, we can have a chat and and see if we can uh, you know get her on the Killy trip uh, next year, August. Great time yeah. to go. Um, I see we've got a lot of, uh, well, we've had over the last few weeks, a lot of summits. Um, so, yeah, let's do it. I mean, she's done Everest, done Everest Base Camp. Now it's time for Killy. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe, and I know she she did some kind of work for charity stuff. Is there a charity that she cares about? Maybe Killy, um, you know, another biggie to kind of climb for charity. Does, obviously, doesn't need need to be for charity, but just something to kind of motivate. Um, Nigel, do you need any vaccinations for EBC? Um, yes, you do. There's not any. I'm just trying to think now how I word it. It's okay, and you 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 keep pausing. I I no, 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 no. I I I should know off the top of my head. But there are a few optional ones. But the the, the main ones that you get, you know, your boosters, your tetanus, your typhoid, diphtheria, you make sure you have those up to date. There are some optional ones for those areas. You've got some of the hepatitis that you need. You have got the rabies jabs. Some people choose to have them. Some people don't. Um, you know, obviously they are optional and they do cost rather than the ones you can get for your GP. I would check out with you your GP though, Nige. Um, I just realized I can't put any comments in there, so I've just sent you one. Okay. From Nomad Travel Clinic. Uh, Ooh, Nepal. we got some comments. I've just seen a notification. Let me get this up for you, Dave. Uh, here we go. Three. Um, <laughs> and it looks like it's... <laughs> See what you did there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you had to go down that road. I know. Sorry, sorry. Couldn't help keep, myself. It, keep it clean. Yeah. Um, what vaccinations? There we go. It's already in there. Fantastic. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, Nigel, definitely have a look at that article. Um, I would say the ones on there, um, uh, the, obviously the, the additional ones, some of them you've got to have like multiple jabs. So just make sure you don't leave it to kind of like the last week to get them done. Yeah. Uh, you know, try and get them done a few months before you're due to go because some of them you've got to spread them out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like rabies. Um, I think the hepatitis as well. There's two jabs. Um, so don't quote me on that. Have a little look on that um, 
on that uh, that blog post. There. Yeah, it'll have links as well to uh, places like um, Nomad Health Clinics, the NHS, that sort of thing. Awesome. So <coughs> what I yes. I'll take this one from Alison, okay. and then I reckon you should talk about diaphragms. Oh, can't wait. Um, so Alison, uh, which would you recommend for a first time high altitude hike? Please say EBC is where coming next year. To be honest, <laughs> I reckon Everest Base Camp actually. And you know why, Alison? Because it was my very first time in altitude. I hadn't yeah, been higher than Snowden. In fact, yeah. I did Snowden afterwards. So in the UK, I think the highest I'd ever probably been before I went to high altitude was Penavan. That's crazy. And, and then, then I, how are you at altitude? And, and I was totally fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fine. So yeah, and then I went to um, Everest Base Camp and yeah. had an amazing time. And then since then, it's just been up, up and away. But um, yeah, I think I wouldn't. I mean, you know, sometimes I would say, look, it's best to kind of build up to these things. So yeah. unless you're a particularly savage type of individual, going straight into Mera or Aconcagua might be like a a lot to kind of bite off. Yeah. And some people certainly um, bite off more than they can chew that way. And it's best to kind of build your experience levels up. There's no reason why you can't go and do a peak straight away, but you give yourself more chance of success by kind of, I think, going yeah. into these things. Um, I think Daz has got a question for you, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, hey, Daz, how are we doing? Um, as an ex-soldier, currently have long COVID. Yeah, I know a lot of people are, are, are having these kind of issues. I know I did for a long time because I've, Got some issues with um uh, with well I had some issues it's a lot better now uh, with my asthma it, it didn't go to, it got to a really difficult level um, I'm in the hills and gym fair bit also have an elevated uh, hemi diaphragm doesn't restrict me at sea level or you know in the mountains my only concern how would I cope with high altitude anyone have similar experience so yeah specifically does that that what you've got going there I I, I don't I haven't heard that um, that said in that way around any issues with, with someone's diaphragm at high altitude. Um, the one thing I would say, uh, I, mean, I mean, always obviously chat to your GP, chat to a medical professional about these things, is that, you know, we do get people who have certain things going on with their, um, with their lungs, uh, obviously with heart issues, um, which, are, which are fine. Um, you know, I would check the, obviously, you know, the severity of it. Mm. I mean, from what you've said, if you're already doing a lot of cardio work anyway, and it's not really you know, restricting you and it doesn't harm you at sea level. Um, I don't see any reason why it would impact you at, at altitude. Obviously, you're going to be in an oxygen-deprived environment, but it sounds like your oxygen's getting around your body anyway yeah. um, in certain way. And I don't know, you know, with a diaphragm it, in terms of what's going on there. Um, you know, we get a lot of asthmatics who, you know, in terms of that, they, they don't quite get full breath. They don't have as, as big a volume as some people um you know and actually asthmatics tend to do quite well at altitude um just because they're used to getting low oxygen as it is <laughs> so they kind of uh you know when they're altitude it, it, it's kind of well it's the same yeah um you know and it's, it's really interesting because some of the you're in some of these villages and you're seeing people kind of smoking your know, local smoke and you think wow you're near four thousand meters here and they're running around and you know you're like well, okay the people that live at gorek shep for the season yeah, I know. They spent three months there, man. That's, that's a long time at Gorak Shep, isn't it? That's too long 20, for me at Gorak 24 Shep. hours is a long time at Gorak <laughs> Shep. It's <laughs> never comfortable at, at Gorak Shep, that's for but, sure. But um, I reckon I could make it comfortable if I had my own little area and my own little room and stuff. I, I'd be all right. And, and a particularly my own little toilet. 
<laughs> I'd be all right there. Good, good question though. Um, do you want to take the um, next one? Yeah. Danny, so Danny has said, uh, hey, "Good Danny. afternoon, gang. Hope all is well." Um, I'm leaving to uh, Machu Picchu on July 24th uh, with the trek. That's slang for ever trek. Is that it? Yeah, is with, that slang. Yeah, it's it? like you know, it's like the trek. You know. I prefer to have a track. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. <laughs> uh, do we need diamonds for this trip? Um, I used it on Kilimanjaro and it worked well for me. Cool. Thoughts, please. Um, honestly, it's it, again, yeah. it's a Diamox is a personal choice. Um, we know it can be very, very useful at high altitude. Obviously, when going to Machu Picchu is not quite as extreme altitude as Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So there's every re there's every possibility that you'll go there and you'll be absolutely fine. The way I use it, and this isn't a recommendation, this is just um, how I used it when I was on Kilimanjaro is um i started without it and if i started to feel slightly unwell or started to develop some symptoms yeah um then i started half a pill in the morning and half a pill in the evening and that was enough for me that's how i take it um if you want to take it before you go um uh, almost as like a you know a preventative measure then yeah. again that's a personal choice um yeah i you've used it before so you're very familiar with it, it i mean it can't harm yeah exactly danny and you know, you, you'll know your body better than anyone. Um, I think Dave's advice there, because Machu Picchu is uh, obviously not as high um, as Kili. Uh, there are, there's, you know, there's still parts to it that it's going to be challenging. Um, you know, even when you're in Cusco, uh, you know, you're like almost 3,300 meters. Even climbing the steps there, your heart rate's like 10 That's to the like dozen. Zamshi, basically, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's mad because you're walking around like it's in this beautiful city and it's yeah. at 3,300 meters. That's mad, isn't it? You see, Namshi feels even though it's quite a well-developed yeah. little town, it's like it's quite remote and there's high mountains everywhere and you, you feel like you're in the yeah. Himalaya. And then you've got this town with a train and supermarkets and people going about their life. Yeah. Same altitude. It's mad, you know, and you, and you see people running up these stairs and you try and do that. It's hard work. <laughs> you almost collapse um, because your, your body has acclimatized. It's easy when yeah. you come back to Cusco, mine. But um, yeah, Danny, you're, you're going to love it. It's, uh, it's a really fantastic place. Yeah. Um, Andy Howie. Hey, Andy, how you doing? Um, if you turn back on the trips, accommodation provided, or do you just return to Kathmandu or lower down the mountain? Yeah, it, it depends on the severity. We've had some people that, um, you know, it's not necessarily altitude based. They've, uh, you know, some people are just like, okay, this is enough for me. And they've walked back down with like an assistant guide and they've stayed at Lukla or Namche ready for when people come back. We're always quite flexible um, because in the mountains, obviously, you know, with regards to your accommodation, that's all covered. Uh, when you get back into Kathmandu, now those rooms wouldn't have been reserved um, at a loft. And as you can imagine, that hotel is a lot more expensive. So any additional nights would be chargeable. Um, for anyone that and we've had this happen, you know, not dozens of times, but, you know, enough to count on, you know, your, your, your two hands. Um, that generally, you know, people can claim that kind of stuff back on insurance uh, because they're, they're, they're adi it's additional costs that uh, you weren't um, obviously prepared for. Um, but generally we can, we can kind of try and work something out and, um, you know, we want to make it as, as, as be as helpful as we can to you in those challenging situations. If you do got to come, if you have got to come down, yeah. hopefully not, um, you know, Andy, with regards to being in the mountains and, uh, hopefully, um, you know, that doesn't happen, but yeah, I suppose just to be yeah completely kind of honest, um, with regards to those things. Yeah. It's always difficult when you're in Kathmandu because those rooms have to be reserved, uh, quite far in advance. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we're not the only ones using that hotel, even though we do get, it's like we're taking over hotel aloft. 
in Kathmandu. There are other um, other people that now use it. Yeah. Um, you know, so we do need to, to kind of know that. But we'll always find somewhere for you to be in, in Kathmandu. Yeah. Um, if needed. Um, but yeah, awesome. good, good questions coming in. Uh, Daniel Mason, what would you guys say is the natural next step after Mara? Yeah. Um, well, once you've submitted Mara, you've got a couple of options, really. I would say probably a trekking peak of, of around 7,000 meters is a, nat is a natural sort of progression. Yeah, yeah. So you could be looking at maybe Aconcagua, um, obviously just shy yeah. of 7,000. There's peaks in Nepal, like Burunse, um, <coughs> which you could go to. It depends. If you wanted to do something more technical, um, you could look at Amadablam. Um, yeah, other and then other six thousand meter peaks as well, because although Mera is more of a, it, it, it yeah. there's not much technical requirements for Mera, so you could go and do Island Peak maybe, which although is not yeah. as high, does require some ladder crossings and things like that. So yeah, there's quite a lot of options to you, um, to be honest. Yeah, and and always as well, I I know it's it's kind of addictive, isn't it, um, to kind of go to these places and think what's higher, but actually, you know, there is a lot of other areas that you can go to. That's you know just as much an adventure. Elvis um, is another one. Yeah, but just thinking about the ones that we do, you, we, we've got the the trips. Um, like we've re released our new one in Uganda, um, which is uh, you know you're going over five thousand meters uh, trekking the Ruwenzori Mountains, um, which you know is is a is a difficult trip. Um, you know, which been been popular since we released it, and that and again think about you know what what else is next because. I think if you're always aiming higher, <laughs> you're going to get to a point and obviously, uh, you know, you're going to run out. Um, but there are other trips, like Dave said, Aconcagua, some of the other peaks, or look at some of the other ventures. And there's loads, you know, if you want to do the Tour de Mont Blanc, if you want to go to the Huaywash circuit um, in Peru, um, you know, you might have heard Touching the Void, um, you know, of that awesome story of survival on Sierra Grande. You could go there. That's just as, a, as much an adventure, obviously not as high, but it's still there. There are other trips that, you know, instead of just going higher, it's still just as challenging. Um, you've also got the Manaslu circuit. You've got Kanchen Junga circuit. You've also got K2 base camp. You know, all of these are more of the trekking side of it, but they are just as challenging. Um, um, again, summits of fire. Summits of fire. Yeah, you've got some. You know, a lot of um, a lot of other adventures that you can go. Don't necessarily need to go higher, but just just as challenging. If yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, good good question though. Very good question. Um, Dave Rimmington, bugs, spiders, and monsters. Um, I hope yetis aren't included in that. <laughs> um, but anything nasty on the route to Killy? So, yeah, in the first camp. So, generally, when you're staying in Moshi, there's not too much there that can kind of, uh, you know, other than the usual bugs that you kind of find, you know, cockroaches, mozzies. Yeah, you do for, get mozzies. For the malaria. So, you've got to take anti malarials in Tanzania. When you're on the mountain, the you'll see some bugs, and especially in big tree camp, which is your first night on the volcano. Um, and that essentially is is probably going to be the last of the bugs you'll see on the ground. Uh, obviously, you, you know, you never know <laughs> if they want to climb higher. Uh, maybe they want to get to the summit. You never know. Um, but generally, you're going to get some in there. Like we had the quite big ants and, and someone got bit on the leg. And they took a, a bit of a bugger. So you have to try and twist him and get him out. Can happen uh, because you're in the jungle environment. And that's the thing with Killy. You're in, there's five different areas to it. Mm -hmm. You start off in the jungle, then you get to kind of the plateau, which is a little bit desert. Um, you know, then you kind of get into the rocky areas, then it's the volcanic ash. Then on the top is glaciated. There's all these different areas. Um, but yeah, certainly when it comes to bugs, spiders, I think the only other monsters you want to um, uh, kind of avoid are the ones camping with you. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe there's quite a lot of snorers out there. So you want to bring some kind of earplugs. Um, or a cattle prod. 
or a cattle prod. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. Awesome. Hope that answers your question, mate. Um, David Dar, I want to use a trekking holiday hey, to drive me to get fit. Which would nice. do you suggest would be a good choice? To be honest, Dave, it's one of them where I would rather focus on more what your what would sort of light your fire personally, and yeah. then aim for that one. Um, if you want to do like a shorter trip, you could do Tupcal, um, but the four day Tupcal is is a really quite a tough trek. There are longer trips that you can do that actually would be more achievable. <laughs> Um, I think that whatever training you do for any of our trips is going to be beneficial. Um, yeah. I think we've we've done quite a lot of Tuesday tunings about training and things like that, and there yeah. is some information on it on the Knowledge Center. Um, I personally would just have a look whether you want to climb a mountain, in which case I would consider like Tukal, Kilimanjaro, yeah. whether you want to go to Machu Picchu, whether you want to go to the Himalayas and see Everest. Think along those lines about which trip excites you the most. Choose that one and then train for that one. Yeah, um, because whatever training you do for any of our trips is is going to be transferable. Um, exactly, and you got a hundred percent. You can do it, my friend, as well. I know for a fact because before I ever went to Everest Base Camp, which was my first trip, I got to nearly twenty stone um, in weight, and yeah. I hadn't ran anywhere um, for years. I hadn't done anything, so um, yeah. And or I started out by walking half an hour a day, fifteen minutes from my house, turn around, walk fifteen minutes back. Very soon it was an hour. Then I decided to see how much of that I could run. Then I mixed it up with bikes. And then I got to the yeah. mountains and I did hikes. And then before you know it, I could do EBC and it was no sweat. So don't don't uh, think it's beyond you, mate. Fantastic. No, and there's, um, you know, 100%. You, you know, there's, there's so many different ones out there. Um, I think it was, I think it's Louise actually going to Machu Picchu very soon. Um, no, really good point. And, and, and you, you mentioned there about, you know, you've got some fears around or kind of concerns around the, the altitude. Um, yeah, anytime. I mean, I suppose it's, it's just get it right in terms of your mind that altitude is there. Um, don't see it as a kind of, because it's hard, it, you, know, you can approach it many different ways, but just see it as another challenge that you have to face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to be fine. The itinerary we've got there, um, you know, it's not aggressive in terms of the terrain. Um, you know, it's good for acclimatizing. Acclimatizing sometimes will be challenging. You know, you might get headaches, you might not feel well try and, and kind of keep going and and, and try and, and and you know do as much as you can um and try and enjoy it that book you've mentioned there um there could be many different breathing exercises and, and things like that yeah um you know any any more oxygen you do get in is useful uh, but don't feel that you have to get that book to succeed yeah as long as you hydrate properly as long as you go slow listen to your guide enjoy it you know you're, you're there you've chosen to be there have a good time it's an amazing place it really is. Machu Picchu is such a unique place to trek to, um, to try and enjoy it. And don't, don't feel you have to get that book. If you do get it, let us know because, you know, we're always – Yeah, no, I haven't read it. Because I haven't seen that one. And I, you know, see if it's useful. But Yeah, um, no, I'd love, to, I'd love to find out. I mean, whatever kind of gives you peace of mind as well. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that it's not actually useful. Yeah. But whatever you can do to give yourself um, peace of mind so you can go yeah. ahead and trek easy, um, yeah, that's great. And um, – I'm getting uh, signals that we need to um, uh, so because the yeah. because of the battery. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're coming to the hour anyway. I hope it's been useful today. Um, you know, we talked about dangers and things like that, and I hope the message got across that look when you go into these places, it is adventure travel, it is dangerous, but we can manage it. We can do something about those dangers. You know, get your family on side. You know, do your research. Try and you know be educated about where you're going. Um, you know, listen to your guide. Just I uh, kind of be honest with yourself and. Um, and also that there will be bumps in the road, 
but you, they're okay as part yeah. of adventure. Um, and, you know, get those questions answered. Like, hopefully some of the answers we've given you today have made you a little bit more comfortable where you're going or about things that you may be thinking of doing. But as always, reach out to me and the team. Um, you know, we're here to help you get on this journey, whatever that goes, uh, whatever you want to go. And, you know, maybe you've been out there and it hasn't quite worked well. Well, let's chat about that and see what we can do for next time. Uh, maybe you've, you've you've got to the summit now and you're looking at what's next. Like, um, you know, Daniel was there thinking yeah. about what's next. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back um, next week. Yeah, awesome. Next Tuesday. All the best, guys. Take see it you easy, soon. guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.